What's up, botherinos? Tyra Vera here. I just uh, decided to record a little bit of an intro for this one. I am getting to a point where with Unbothered, I'm liking the direction it's going in and I'm going to be having a lot more guests, but on a more frequent basis. I know I haven't put one out in like three weeks now, I think it's been, but I also like what I'm talking about better right now. I like the content of what I'm talking about better. I'm not really wanting to flame other people or be in a negative space when it comes to stuff like that. One thing that we were talking about on this episode, uh, there's a point where we're talking about the N-word, and the thing I wanted to say about that that I don't think I fully got to say just because we were having a really great conversation was when it comes to things like that, I think people that have like used that word before and decided that, uh, well, not decided that, just grown past it and realized that it's there's better word choices and also that word isn't necessarily yours, then I think you, it's the thinking of when we know better, we do better type of thing. And I know not everybody's at the same place and I don't ask everybody to be at the same place. I just say this is where I am and this is what I'm comfortable having said or having done around, been done around me. And, um, I had a really great conversation. I'm going to be introducing you guys on this episode to a friend of mine named Jocelyn Sharp. She's so great. We just started talking, so I don't end up introducing her until we really get into the conversation. And it's, you know, it's pretty much over by the time I introduce her. But I will have you guys know that she runs a show called The Filth Factory in Las Vegas. I've known her since she first started doing comedy. She started doing comedy about seven years ago now. And she's just a really, really great person, a really good spirit, and her makeup is always on point, which there's something to be said for that. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy it. Let me know if you have any questions and hit Jocelyn Sharp up on social media. It's J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N Sharp, S-H-A-R-P. And if you guys want to find her on social media, please do so. She's absolutely great, and you'll be hearing a lot from her. I live in Vegas now, and if you decide you want to come out to a show on any particular night, I might not even be performing in town, but I can always get you on, get you into some show. So if you're an audience member, a person that enjoys comedy, you want to see some uh, comedy in Las Vegas, please do hit me up. Anyway, botherinas, I appreciate you, and I hope you enjoy this special Christmas edition of Unbothered by Ty Rivera. Everything bothers him. He's unbothered. He calls it unbothered, but that's what's cute, because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. Okay, I've had enough. (laughs) I've had enough of me. You know, sometimes you feel real professional and like you have it together in life and never other days you just <laughs> end up with mustard on your shirt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> People yeah, are like, yeah. I don't. Yeah, no, I totally wanted to be way more prepared. You came over to my house and I'm like in my Lulu row leggings from Facebook trying to clean my house and make it look presentable because I have Catholic guilt about bringing people into a dirty home. No, I'm glad. I'm glad you're exactly like you are right now because technically you're just like chill. Yeah. Like, you know, and so it's 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 good. It's it's better for this podcast because, you know, a lot of times, it, like for a lot of them, I just did me. Yeah. And I'd just be laying on the bed or on the couch 
just being yourself 100 percent. yeah and that's that's what i yeah. like it to be i mean like you know yeah uh, well tyler and i both started listening when it was just you mm-hmm. that's when we started listening to it and then you've been having guests for how long now not that much long uh, like you know uh, or not that long now like probably four or five episodes um but like i it's hard for me to line up schedules with people so there's that yeah. and there's also like when i was doing the solo i felt like i at a point i got a little too comfortable in like just talking and like certain things when people would say them back to me i'd be like oh i talked about that and then why did i say that out loud yeah, yeah. and that maybe didn't need to be out there forever right so some of those have been pulled and people have like you know one particular person was like i was searching for this one where you talked about uh you mentioned it on your page and i was just like yeah i like that one's gone well that's but the th- the crazy thing is we have to think about that every second is a capture of who we are permanently now because people have no concept of the fact that you're a different person yesterday anymore it's like people forgot that yeah well just today there's that thing with the louis ck again yes. like you know which like we all know he said the n-word there's that bit a million times yeah where, so it's just like how is this a thing now and what comics from new york don't say the n-word count them yeah. i would dare you yeah no when it comes to like that kind of stuff i'm i'm really like you know i gauge it by where you are what you're con like all of that stuff you know like i had a problem uh with somebody saying the n-word around me but it was because it was like it's just me and you there's right. no audience there's no you know what i mean right. like other friend or whatever like now i just feel like we're having an awkward meeting right <laughs> right you know right. like this is just like right uh, but yeah but like as far as and especially within context like people saying the word fag like you know or kevin hart's stuff you know it, i even factored in after i like really saw it and thought about it the actual bit that he was referring to when he talked about like uh breaking this uh breaking the dollhouse over his son's head yeah yes. and it's almost like um his version of get her done you yes. know the hey don't be gay is like yes. his version of the get her done so like back in that day when it was current you know when he was still saying it to say that and like it was like an inside joke between him and his audience that tweet well and the crazy thing about the people that the same people that will like be outraged like and all, we are all talking about these people and it's like 12, 25% of America. Uh-huh. Most of us are in the middle. Um, but these extremes are extremes now. They're extremes. And I think that the problem is the same people that will be upset that he'll, he said the breaking the dollhouse thing uh-huh. are the same people that will take a selfie with OJ Simpson. And you're like, and part of me is like, part of you doesn't feel weird about that. And that's what the main thing is. We all have our lines and sometimes it's okay to say like, Okay, you wouldn't be the kind of person that I personally would fuck with. Right. But I don't got to ruin your whole goddamn life. Right. Or, you know I'm what I mean? I'm not going to blow this... your spot up. <laughs> yeah, this is but like... You and I aren't friends anymore. Yeah. And that's yeah. an okay thing to be. But people don't understand that anymore. Because if I'm not friends with you, then anybody around me can't be friends with you. And I can't be friends with anybody who's friends with you. Because like this... how could you? Right. This person. Right. I've decided that they're not worthy. They're not allowed to have friends. They're not allowed to have a job. They're not... All of it, family, canceled. it's like dude and the thing is is we people don't understand as comics especially when you start to work how many opportunities you get to ruin someone's life you can take work away from people it happens including ruin your own life with shit you say on stage or you know what i mean like right so it's it's kind of like i think a lot of people eventually they're not gonna like the way it turns out as far as like when people really start looking at you 
I think when the when we really start looking at people, I think when this the shit dies down and the middle starts to look, I think we're gonna find that the people that are screaming the loudest are the ones with the most skeletons in their closet. Well, that's the way it's always been, and that's that's what's annoying about it because it's just kind of like they're they're definitely it's okay to be like you know certain things are completely unacceptable. That's okay, but now it's turning into a thing where everything is completely unacceptable, and it's like. When you're, I saw them talking about a girl's tweets from 2012. And I was just like, uh, and like kind of rightfully so, because what happened was she got engaged to an NFL player the other night. I don't remember the team or any of that. Right, you I know, understand. <laughs> <she> <laughs> Everybody knows I'm gay, so you know I nobody's, don't know. Nobody's like, Ty, you don't know that football player? Are you feeling all right? He could be really great. He could be really terrible. I don't you know. know. Right, I know go. that sports fans will hit me up and tell me who it was, yeah. and they'll let me know exactly. You know what I mean? Like, dude, he's fucking terrible. And then somebody will hit me up and be like, he's okay. And then somebody thinks they're fucking God, you know? Right. So, but anyway, uh, that doesn't matter because what happened was he got engaged he did it like i guess proposed right after the game yeah and uh then somebody went through her tweets and apparently in 2012 she says the n-word several times uh in her tweets but the way she they said it was like if you didn't read it you would think that they were just like true racism you know like the n-word but then you read them, and it does have the A, so that does add a little bit of context to it. Yeah. And from the way that she tweets, it's almost like she's one of those white women that in her head thinks she's black. Right. Right. We all know that girl in high school. We all remember her. And everybody around them accepts it. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. and it's, I'm not saying that in a way like they shouldn't. It I'm doesn't just saying, make it okay. It's just in her reality, that's okay. And people expect everyone's reality to be the same, and it's not. That's yeah. just not the way the world works. Mm-hmm. Everybody's reality is different. What is acceptable for one person is not acceptable for everybody. But nothing is sacred. You can't say anything is sacred. You can't tell me that I can make fun of people for being fat, but I can't make fun of people for their race. Like you, That's just not the way that things work. Well, especially since we're all really, really starting to mix the way that we're intended to so and And there's more beige people today than i mean that's it's just like that's not a thing anymore and when we felt the best about it was like in the early 90s when all comedians and everything was about race and they were talking about because it's something that people need to talk about to feel comfortable and i don't think that we talk about it i think now what we're doing is we're avoiding talking about race with each other because it's too difficult of a prospect to do it well and people are afraid they're going to you're going to say the wrong thing but learn from it and people also don't want to accept that people in different regions uh are at different places in their growth or where they are with race right. and so it's kind of like you have to adjust for that and you also have to account for that when you're trying to like put too much of the rules on people. Do you want to be right or do you want to communicate with somebody and maybe change their mind? Yeah, and we all had to learn to crawl before we learned to walk. So, at certain, like, you know, we've all had friends that were new to us to hang out with people like like even you. Yeah. Like I'm sure you've had friends that were either black or Hispanic and they're like, I didn't really hang out with white people until I met you. Right. You know, like that's just something that happens for some of us right. where we are that friend for some people. Like for me, a lot of times it's the gay. You know yeah. what I mean? They're like, oh, I didn't really hang out with gay people until I met you. Like right. that kind of thing. Uh, and so we all know what it's like having to forgive them for accidentally saying something stupid. 
Right. Or like, you know, that could be taken as uh, offensive, but because you're friends with them and you know that they're like getting to know you. And it's not from a bad place. That's at all. You know, it comes from just a place of that's just their reality. It's, they might as well be saying the sky is blue. Yeah, they it, didn't know. It, it invokes no emotion in them. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing is we're not we're not delineating right now what people are saying. What is here of course it's the jokes what's crazy to me is that jokes are getting i mean because at the end of the day nobody gives a fuck about intention anymore which makes no sense to me the intention is really what matters well my whole fucking album my whole cd which i made several years ago is completely unacceptable i'm sure ty rivera at itunes Protested by downloading it and playing it 24 hours a day. <laughs> Show everybody what a piece of shit I am. Play everybody for you know. It's the holidays. Merry Christmas. I'm just, I'm done. I, but I, I try and remind people that when we talk about this is just remember that right now it's just because peop, the corporations, the people with money haven't figured out that it's the minority. And once they figure out it's the minority, it's going to go back to the days where the TERFs were pushed to the bottom of Twitter and nobody was paying attention to the guy who was tweeting Pepsi 25 times a day that they were racist. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Because I do feel like everybody is getting Because you notice, like, that's the reason, if you notice, there's a lot less engagement on Facebook. Yes, like people don't communicate the way like that they used to even you know we're all using it to mine for cute cat videos now and just share them to each other we're just like sharing weird videos of pets and and russian dash cams well that's you, it you almost can't even have an opinion anymore oh, and that's know. either side it doesn't no. matter because you know people will yell at you whether you're on the left whether you're on the right somebody's gonna hit you up and tell you how stupid you are and you're like i was just joking do you want to <laughs> know what makes you worse is if you're in the middle if you don't pick a side, then you're just as bad as the the evil of each. Well, that's really where I am. Me too. You know, yeah, I I mean, like I've taken certain stances because I thought it was more important, kind of strategically for the overall plan. But like, um, I I don't have an actual loyalty. You know, I feel really when it comes to sides, not people, but sides. I feel really let down on both sides. Oh, 100%. I agree with you 100%. And I'm, I'm the same way. I'm not in anyone's corner except for humanities. Yeah. And all my only filter when I think about issues is what is the effect? I think about things in the humanity filter. And that's why when people say shit to me, it doesn't bother me. Because like it's all about, like, are you helping another person? Are you doing anything on this planet to make somebody else's life a little bit better? There's people out there who might die tomorrow if somebody doesn't make their life a little bit better today. And that's just a serious true fact about living in a world where things are unequal we don't all have the same resources we don't all have the same help we don't have the same love and support in our lives so if you can just be nice to another person and it's like everybody forgot and that's 100 percent true because some people don't have any kind of fallback i mean like a lot of like you know i'm very fortunate my family is there for me and i know that you know but like yeah there are some people that i'm really kind of like yeah, this is usually when you would hit up your family. And then I think about it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, they told me they don't actually. And, like, you know, it's uh, – and in that way, because, like, you know, I had it happen to me the other day at the gym, or it was a couple of weeks ago when I was at the gym, and I even uh, posted about it on Facebook. But this older man, like, came up to me, and he was half naked, like he was, uh, you know, trying to take a – you know, trying to take a shower. Yeah. And uh, he couldn't – because his hands were really arthritic and yes. messed up, he couldn't uh, roll it up himself. So he asked me to do it for him, and of course I did it. But, like, the thing is, it really does show you the, like, 
it takes a village mentality. And I think a lot of times people think about kids when they think about it takes a village, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like all and levels of the village. everyone in between. Like it just, mm-hmm. I, the past couple years of my life, I've just said yes to anything that people have asked me that I, that is somebody needs help. I've just said yes to it Mm -hmm. and I figured out a way to make it happen. And when I can tell people, you would not believe the difference it's made in my own mental state, how it's helped me. And I'm not saying I do all the things that I do for selfish reasons, but there is no unselfish charitable work. And that's the beauty of it is you do get to feel something wonderful. You do get to feel something great after it. And on top of that, you got to help somebody. So it's, it's one of the best things. you do all kinds of things in your life to feel great. You eat good food, you have sex, you fuck, you do drugs, but this thing, at least you helped another human being out, you know, and it, it changes your perspective. Like I don't think about, I don't get as angry as other people do about this politics shit because I know that there's people I'm like, I know a dude right now who's living under the bridge near Fremont street. And the only thing he needs every single week is a blanket because he goes through them that quickly. Cause it's his only belonging. Yeah. And you want me to give a fuck? about what trump tweeted i don't give a fuck i don't care yeah well that's where i think it comes in like the thinking the um think globally but act locally yes because like if you can make the space around you better and then the person next to you can make the space around it's them a ripple better. effect man yeah and like maybe they maybe we do have disagreements on certain things but if we can actually talk to each other and communicate with each other a lot of times like you know even when we were talking about like people getting offended and stuff like that if you treat somebody with a little bit of kindness in, in the way that you approach them in telling them that something they said or did like offended you or made you feel a particular way, they're more likely to take it in and be like, oh, okay, well, I hadn't thought about that because you come at them in a more human way and later on, instead of the knee jerk, like, you said fag, now we have to address that. It's right. like, no, I can let you say fag a couple times. Uh, like, right. And then I can feel out where, because with me, I really don't have a problem with the word fag. But I can also feel out if somebody's ever like being disrespectful with me right. on it. You're, or... you're looking for the intention. Yeah. It's not about how it affects you. What somebody says, it's not, I'm not so arrogant to believe that your filter and your perspective is to me. Yeah. Like what you say is intention. That's what you're, you don't give a fuck because you don't care about it, but you still think about it because even though you don't care about it, you want to know is the intention the same? Yeah. Cause if you're disrespecting me, I'll put a stop to that. Yeah. But if you're just, you know, or if there's a chance, I'll, I'll bookmark certain things and be like, that might be a teachable moment. You know what I yes. mean? Like later on in our friendship, because like with me, yeah. Like conversation, however it happens is the first step to everything. No, no matter which words are used or whatever, you know, right. a conversation is the first step. And then, yeah, we can assess. It's almost like every conversation is an assessment, you know, where you're like. I feel like that's how we have to live now because we're we what was literally happening is we're, we're experiencing a new kind of social revolution, one that lives online. And and our culture hasn't figured out, I think, how that affects us in everyday life. So we haven't quite figured out. There's the people that take it to the extremes and are, you know, calling people racists and cucks and all this shit in person. And and it's it's hard and it's difficult and we're all trying to deal with it. But I think that there's this is an exercise in boundaries, which is good because we took all of our boundaries away when social media happened. All of a sudden, we didn't act in, in the fifties. There was boundaries where it was like, oh no, sir, I don't want you to see the top of my socks. I'm a gentleman, you know. <laughs> and now it's like. You know, check out my my freshly She's shaved. a squirter. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, I am a squirter. <laughs> right. And they're like vlogging, <laughs> like, they're yeah, like giggling. Yeah. And you're like, 
it's we we forgot about our boundaries and now people don't want because that's a boundary thing a boundary thing is to accept that okay this person's life he's saying shit i don't care about and i don't really he's saying shit that makes me mad but let me just understand he's outside my boundary right now and it doesn't affect me and i just need to evaluate this before i get myself into a tizzy over someone who probably will never affect you in the long yeah and should i really be mad or is there something funny for for me to mine there for my act right because that's one of the things I've told so many newer comics, because that's where my whole original set came from. And a lot of people don't realize that. It was like people would hit me with ignorance and then I would respond to that. But rather than responding to them, because, you know, when I first started doing stand up, my space was just kind of a, you know, like not just kind of, but it wasn't everybody. Because, you know, everybody like didn't kids. have my space like yeah. Facebook, you know, like Facebook grandmas at this point And yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People that have no business, like, <laughs> that's like, mean why to do say grandmas that. have Facebook? That's ageist, but what, you know. Listen, my grandma, so many times, my grandma will take my phone and look for people from my Facebook, but I've asked her a million times, I'm like, Grandma, do you want a Facebook? And she goes, What the fuck am I going to do with Facebook? I'm 70 years old. Yeah. And she's right. You're 70 years old. Read a book. My mom literally said, I would get on Facebook, but. I have a life. Oh, literally, that's she what she burned said. all of America. Yeah, and she wasn't even <laughs> saying it like a, an asshole type right. of thing. You know what I mean? So she but was like, like, she's like, I don't even need it. Like, what time of day would I be using grandkids? It? You know what yeah. I mean? Kids, uh, husband. You know, like she's right. Why is she going to be online? Right. You know, I mean, she watches her stories. <laughs> Dish Nation, TMZ. You know, she has a <laughs> yeah, she has a routine. Look. Yeah, but she's not trying to introduce Facebook or like she doesn't even talk to her family. And I think that a lot of us eventually are going to end up going back to that because I've said it and people like think that there's something that doesn't make sense about it. And I'm always like, those people don't know me. But I'm like, if I when I get to the point where I don't have to be online, where I can have somebody handle my social media for me and maybe every once in a while I say something silly and then you can post that and I don't I personally don't have to look at it I'll be a hundred percent fine with that if it all were to blow up I'd be a hundred percent fine with that too yeah I mean like you know I I uh am like that's part of why I've been doing these with guests now is like I'm I just don't like I for a couple years I let an ugly side of me wrestle with the better side of me yeah and i was negative and uh, not in every case and i definitely wasn't wrong in every case right technically i was right in most cases i just got more you could feel yourself not even trying to look at the good side of it or i mean because that's the thing is is what's being human and what's being adult is looking at the worst situations and finding the good in it because yeah. that's that's really what life is. Because life is just a, a an unending series of shitty situations that we go, oh well, and we pick ourselves up and we learn something from it and we move on to the next fucking thing. And there's wonderful things in between that, but it's so fucking easy, especially right now when all you have is people all in your face telling you how negative and terrible it is and how bad everything is to be trapped in that negativity. Yeah, and especially when people don't understand that... Uh some people really are at different points like they already feel suicidal so then if they if you're completely bullying them online what may seem kind of small to you it could really be affecting them right you know and do you really want that on your hands you know like with the the pete davidson situation i talked a little bit about that uh but my 
My thing with that is it's kind of I'm kind of torn on that because he has been it's kind of like I always make fun of celebrity death. You know what I mean? Like I'm the R.I.P. Yes. (laughs) Like, you know, why 2018? Which people haven't done that since (laughs) 2016 or seven. I don't remember. But, you know, it was a thing for a minute there. But I still do that to this day. But, But he's a notorious bully. And that's what like, you know, so if one day my favorite celebrity dies. And all my friends online who don't know that that's my favorite celebrity, they just are doing it, make jokes and post pictures of the wrong person and say, I can't suddenly turn around and be like, you know, yep, this is the thing that you guys can't do. It's, it's- Yeah. Imagine if, I mean, because it's a reality for a lot of us as a celebrity friend dies. Mm-hmm. And then it's somebody you personally know and have broken bread with. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that people just don't account for the fact that emotions aren't rational. Like your emotions aren't rational for a reason because your emotionals are deep seated old shit from caveman days. They don't make sense in today's world. And it's your job as an adult to fucking filter through them and stop making us suffer for it. Yeah. And figure it out. Figure out why it bothers you and yes. decide if it's important. Because if it's really important, the best treatment for anything is just to completely ignore it. I mean, like, as far as, like, negative, like, why give this person any attention? They're just yes. saying a bunch of crazy shit. Just let them, let them talk it. Just don't pay attention to them. People don't understand that the, that, that shit, it doesn't, they're not looking for positive or negative attention. They're just looking for somebody to look at them. Yeah. And so as much as you are like, well, I can't help it. I have to stand up for myself. You're not standing up for yourself. You're just feeding into something. And you're not even standing up for anybody because in real life, these people are on the phone. Yes. You know what I mean? In real life, these people are still online dealing with people that way. They're not engaged in real life. That's why some of them, like you see them all day long. Like with me, every once in a while, I'd get into it with people just for like, you know, a long amount of time. But if anybody ever paid attention the way I did it, I would always like, you know, just take huge breaks sometimes and be like, you know, and I would even tell them what I was doing. Getting ready to go to the gym. We can figure this out after, you know, and I'd be like, BRB. Bye. See you in the morning. (laughs) Then I come back and be like, "Oh yeah, that's stupid too." You know, like, but uh, but you know, like uh, these people, these uh, really do, and like like I said, there was a part of me being ugly for a while there. You know, like, or not looking for even the common ground. Right. But there was also just an influx of people that seemed to want to tell me specifically as a person of color and as an LGBT person, a gay man, however you want to put it, the absolute best LGBTQ comedian in the world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how, you know, however you want to put it, there were a lot of people trying to tell me what I was supposed to be upset about. And there's nothing more offensive than having people that don't live your life or even anywhere close to it tell you what it is you're supposed to feel about certain things. Yeah, we, uh, on uh, my podcast, Rise to FN, uh, shameless plug, we just did a series on Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> and one of the subjects we discussed is does somebody who didn't go through oppression all of a sudden own the rights to the oppression? And that's really the Colin Kaepernick story when you break it down. Is it is a kid who was adopted into a semi-privileged family and did not grow up with the struggles that other people grew up with, was you know, a pretty popular kid, had a good life, kind of did everything he wanted, so much so that he turned down you know baseball contracts because he was like, no, I'm going to be a football player. I mean, the, the guts to turn that shit down. And so this is the conversation is like, who owns the right to the, it's the famous, like on that podcast, Pete made a great example, my buddy. And he's, he said, there's this moment when Malcolm X was making a speech at a college and a white woman runs up and she's like, we're here for you, Malcolm. We're here. We're here to support you. We're going to do it for you. And he went, no, go home. We don't need you. What did I ask you to come? 
I can speak up for myself. There's nothing more patronizing than telling somebody, I'm here to defend you for the thing that they haven't asked to be defended for. That's a hundred percent like uh that's a hundred percent a part of the problem. It's, <laughs> it's then everybody's people start and you know what that's why happen? the virtue signalers are the worst people on the planet. Yeah, but the, the, the other thing that'll happen is that people that aren't affected on it uh, by it actually on the other side too will start debating with them and then it turns into uh like now you have two groups like being the main voices on a particular cause where it's like neither of you are technically invested in this You own no fucking stake in it. And you you have no perspective. One of the things I try to, and you and I had a conversation recently where I pointed out, I'm like, look, I have no idea what it's like to live in this person's shoes. I cannot understand that life so much so that I will give them every benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. If they tell me that that's how it feels, that's how it feels. I'm not the one who's sitting here deciding, you know, for it. Like when people try to come to me and tell me what it's like to be a female comic, I'm like, you don't, you're a fucking dude. You don't know. You don't know. You want to tell me that it's not harder or easier sometimes it's easier sometimes it's harder but it's definitely not the same you know that particular situation you brought up is kind of a, a, a uh, it's kind of a, a like odd that that would be the particular one you'd you'd pick up because in that case you had to explain that person to me because that person wasn't good at explaining themselves yes you know what I mean? Right. Like, and that's- it's almost the opposite. It's almost like I did stand up, but I wasn't standing up. Yeah, you weren't them. standing up or taking your side. You were just saying, this is why I can, uh, or maybe. This is my perspective. This is how the filter, I filter it through. And when I filter it through these filters, I don't come out the other side with anything going, all right, you know, that's the way it is. And I support that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, because I, that's just the way that I think that we just need to get back to a point where we listen to each other. I mean, comedy, it's, it's, there's a joke I tell on stage where I insinuate that I either have performed oral sex on children or when I was a child uh-huh. and was so good at it that I received awards for it. <laughs> now, the premise of this joke is so ridiculous. I obviously don't say it like that. That'd be very weird. But the, I'm not going to do a bit of it. But yeah, my, no, no. my point is, is that people get upset. The botherinas know. People get upset. I'm like, you. What are you? You think that I'm outside of an elementary school? Like, come on, teach. Just let me back in. Like, that's not life. Oh yeah. Well, I used to do a joke about Michael Jackson uh, before he died and a little after. Okay. Well. But <laughs> <laughs> nobody ever accused you of being scared, Ty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you just want to say shit because it's fun. But I used to do this joke about Michael Jackson where I was like, you know, uh, that I thought Michael Jackson did do it because nobody likes kids this much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I have nephews and nieces. Anybody that has, ki- has kids or has been around kids know that uh, kids are annoying. They fight with each other. They argue. They complain. At the end of the day, all you want is their battle little asses to go to sleep. You don't want to stay up all night drinking Jesus juice with them. No. Yeah. Pause. <laughs> Unless you're going to fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, like, you know, I, and people would be so upset. They would treat you like you were like, like you had just said you fucked a kid. Yeah, but it's like, I'm not into, I'm saying there's no other logical reason that no. you'd want to get kids fucking drunk. You know, right. kids are already annoying enough. We're all annoying when we're drunk. It's I love you. <laughs> you know, like, My favorite thing is when people buy a ticket to a comedy show. You're buying a ticket to see broken people with broken perspectives and you get upset when our perspectives are broken. Yeah, well, that's what you're supposed to come for is just to look at me and be like, you know, uh, yeah, you know, the, the guy with the regular three 
arms isn't gonna, or regular two arms isn't going to show up in the freak show. Yes. So when you're looking at something right. on stage, you got to understand this is part of the freak show. Right. Like, we live a little bit of a different life than you. We have a rougher perspective, and that's why you're here. Yeah, and it's, sometimes it's just a more level perspective because some of my best bits, I tell people all the time, like this is why I don't really get offended at comics having to be comics, especially if they're um, really funny or like on their way to being really funny or you feel like there's something there, uh, which I know that it's elitist or whatever, but I do give people that aren't funny less leeway. I'm just kind of like, bitch, don't try shit. You there's know no I mean? comic in the world who doesn't give people who are less funny less leeway. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> I it's just, just think like... that's, that's it, and that's because you earn you earn it. It's just part of this is one of the few the few industries where you still earn like you earn your ability. That's why these kids that come in and start doing these open mics and they try to just go full Doug Stanhope on the first three tries and they don't understand where they're not getting booked. Well, it's like, cause you're not trying to be funny. Yeah. And cause in some cases you're not being you, you're being Hicks. Yeah. Right now you're Bill Hicks. Right. And if anybody's seen Bill Hicks, they know that you're Bill Hicks right, right. now. Right. I seen a couple of Hedbergs out there. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We see a lot of Stanhopes, a lot of CKs. We yeah. see a lot of them. Yeah. And it's like, we know what you're doing right now. Right. You know, it's so, but, and, and also you haven't bought the experience. And then in some cases, they're also really young people. So you're like, you're not even talking to them about right. your life, you know, or if you are. It's, and it, that perspective didn't come from anything honest or genuine. Yeah. And that's really what hits you in comedy. I feel like when you can feel like, like my biggest thing is I did. I don't like when people say like there recently was a comic who I saw in a city and, and she, I know her very well. She started doing comedy uh, many years after I did and I've been seeing her go up, you know, in the past year or so she didn't do very well. She asked me why afterwards she's a very beautiful girl. So mm -hmm. people don't tell her the truth. People don't tell pretty female comics the truth. And this is just part of it because the male comics want to fuck them. So they don't talk about it. And I told her, I said, you can't say crazy shit like your uncle molested you and be shy about it. Like, you have to be confident. You have to feel like your uncle molested you. Like, that's just the way the comedy works. Like, your audience can't sniff out that you're telling. They don't want to. You don't want you to be doing a bit. They want you to be real. Yeah. But a lot. Well, that's it. Some people just haven't had a lot happen in their lives, you know, or been exposed to a lot of different types of stuff. Because so, I feel like most comics are able to write bits that are genuine to them because we've actually lived these particular There's things. There's a lot of trauma, yeah. Yeah, it's not just like, you know, where some people, like you're saying, you know, like a lot of pretty women haven't really had a lot of people be honest with them. Yeah. You know, and it being interesting or being like at least somewhat engaging Right. seen as like a high mark for them in some right. cases. <laughs> you know? People get uncomfortable because when I'm on stage, I talk about the fact that I, I know that I'm categorically unfuckable, but you want to fuck me. And that's just the way that this is going to happen for the next five minutes. And we're going to talk about that. And that's just kind of the premise of this first five minutes of my material. <laughs> because I get that. And I, I don't think people like to look at themselves honestly. And the most of that is this is my theory with, and it's just my theory because you think about females in comedy all the time when you're a female in comedy because everyone always wants to ask you what it's like. Yeah, That's the only question people People care what's it like to be a female comic well it's just like being a male comic only i guess i just don't have to worry about as many well i have to worry about a lot more things actually I have to so it's like being a male comic but a lot more worrying about being raped in basements that's what it is it's exactly the same but that's the only question people want to know but being a female in comedy is just having people treat you the same but slightly different it's not that different and only in that the ratio is so much less so you get more opportunities if you work hard 
because there's so many less female comics that people are always scrambling to find a good female comic to put on the show. Yeah, but I don't think a lot of people that aren't funny ever want to look at why it could logically be happening. Oh, yeah, you're right there. Because, I mean, for me, it's always it's they always want to. I mean, there's comics in in this city who don't like myself and Gooch and Bobby as a group. And one of the reasons they said they don't like us is because we keep them from getting booked. Nobody's and I was like, keeping you from getting that booked. was your that was your first thought, like on your like so in your fucking Hardy Boy solve of the mystery of why you're not getting work. Your first thought was obviously these three people who I don't interact with at all and I'm never around are keep. You think that I have time in my fucking life or day? You think I'm reaching out to bookers and going, don't book this person? If you're really funny, nobody's keeping you from getting booked. Bookers like you may not get booked me. at certain places or it may take you longer to get, you know, like uh, to get certain spots. But if you're really funny, yeah, pe nobody's keeping you from getting booked. When people say that, it's like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I know all of it. The fucking shit people will say and stuff like that. I got upset about something like that. And my thing was. I basically, by talking about this, gave it a megaphone where otherwise it would just would have stayed low right. end gossip. Yeah. You know what I mean? So sometimes you've got to be careful also in what you're giving your voice to, because sometimes what you argue with, you only amplify. And really, there's right. no reason to even address it. It was right. just kind of like, well, that's ridiculous. Right. So which mo and which I know that most people who heard that was like, OK. <laughs> like yeah and so i and i like that's why i say like some of the decisions i made in the last year like you know or year and a half or whatever i don't stand by and i understand when people say certain things were a mistake or certain things you know what i mean like but it's you also at the same time it does take a lot to like actually apologize or say that like right. you know even that like you know this is the first time i'm talking about it which i'm glad we're talking right now yeah it's awesome <laughs> yeah but it is like you know and but i've been feeling it and it's like I wanted to address it yeah. but you know but just us happening to talk about what we're talking about makes it I mean because that's really the the, the crux of it is that people don't want to address it people don't want to address when they're wrong yeah they don't want to just I'm uh, what like it's okay just own up to it. it feels so good to just go you know what my bad I got it wrong my bad yeah and I did the wrong thing it's fine even if whatever side you're on it doesn't matter if you did the wrong thing you did the wrong thing or if you're uncomfortable I have taught myself well my psychiatrist taught me that, you know, with anxiety it, that and that's really what this is, is. This is just social anxiety that people are feeling. That's why they go online and they virtue signal and they're like, well, I don't want my friends to think I'm I'm racist because I don't ever post anything about this. You know, yeah. and you're like, why are you posting this article? Like, and then they accidentally post the Kylie Jenner Pepsi video because yeah. they didn't realize that that yes. was the wrong. It comes out wrong anyway. It's like exactly. <laughs> this is not genuine. It's just like, you know, like, right. You're just trying to solve your anxiety in the wrong way when it's just easy to just reach out to someone and go hey man was i weird tonight i'm really sorry if i was did i make you uncomfortable i'm really sorry if i did i mean that's just being human it's just an easy thing to do it's quick it's simple like i try and i just try and exercise full and total open honesty now when it comes to the way i feel about how i'm interacting with people because what i'm like i realize that people do the wrong thing a lot because of how they want to be perceived and it's not that people are faking it it's just we all want to be perceived as a certain type of person we take pride in certain qualities and we sometimes allow that to drive our character acting in life you know how what choices we make and i think that it's it's important to understand that it's less about how you want to be perceived and how you want to feel about 
how you interacted with people. You know, and sometimes it's okay to not have an opinion about things. It's super okay to go, I don't even have a horse in the... I don't fucking know. What yeah. are you talking about? But now with social media, people get pressured all the time to take some sort of stance. And it's in some cases, like, you know, in some cases, even some of the things that I, you know, like I've gotten really good at filtering that out for myself where I'm like, do I care about that? Because I don't think I do. You know what well, I mean? And, and that's like, it's comes to a point where you're like, I don't have to who is like has a bridle in their mouth waiting for me chomping at the bit waiting for me to put my opinion on this racist wrestling coach you know in some midwest town you know like nobody is like there's 35 people on fox news doing an opinion on it and i I need to go on facebook and do that yeah that well you know that's like uh my shift has changed because for a minute there i was also watching like are you familiar with the youtube stuff or not really a little bit like i know my my dad watches a lot of the youtube stuff but i just i try and stay away from all of it honestly i try and stay away from all of it you're smart i'm not gonna give anybody anything to look at i was gonna say but you know like yeah people don't want to end up down i mean that's the thing is i know that once you start it's hard to stop because believe me there's times when i will click on the news article and i do get outraged and i go down this rabbit hole and i end up debating with someone i'm not perfect either i'm flawed but i do i can tell you that i vote and i do my research and i research the candidates i vote in the midterms i vote in all elections mm-hmm. and i do my fucking research i research the people my my best friend and i we spend a whole like the lead up to the election making sure every single decision we're good with so i participate in my civil duties so i have a right to say any of the shit I want when it comes to this. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I say is that none of you motherfuckers are doing anybody any favors by paying attention to any of this shit. All you're doing is continuing to funnel money into the 24-hour news cycle. And all the 24-hour news cycle is is a new entertainment program. And the 24-hour news cycle doesn't give a fuck about you, doesn't give a fuck about me, doesn't give a fuck about truth. And I know I'm sounding like like a crazy tinfoil conspiracist right now but alex jones <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I forgot to tell you guys i'm alex jones but uh, <laughs> my old point is is like it, you're it, even taking that out of it even taking the whole don't support the, the corporate machine out of it my life has improved so much since i've just started i will if you post something like that in my facebook news feed i click those three dots i click show me less like this and and then it's just more cat videos, more cat videos, more soldiers returning from home and more dog cops retiring. That's all I want to see on my Facebook news feed. But see, that's one thing a lot of people don't even realize. A lot of people don't realize the amount of control that you kind of do have with filters. You know, like when, when people are like so-and-so is. has been bugging me all day long. It's like that's why when you get bored of it, you block them. Right. That's what that feature is for. <laughs> right. You just block it. You don't have to report shit they said. You don't have to turn it into that. Just fucking block them. You don't have to see them anymore. Handle it like an adult. I, I know a, a comic in L.A. and she does like provocative photo shoots uh, through Venmo and Snapchat for mm-hmm. money, which everyone is doing now. Yeah, but I just know this is going somewhere with somebody getting offended or not liking She a gets picture. a photo blocked almost every other day. Yeah, it's like, don't look. Just block her. Yeah, Why are you blocking her photo? You're a grown Like, up. she's making money. Yeah. Like, and she's doing it in a way that hurts no one mm-hmm. and probably keeps some pervert out of the fucking uh, jerk-off theater, you know? 
Well, you leave those people alone. I know they're if good people. people they're good. Go in and jerk off the, you know, like they're can good I t- things This is going to be such a hard left theaters. turn. But can I tell you my favorite <laughs> Vegas story? This is my favorite Vegas. This is such a hard left turn, but it's about a jerk off theater. So I was at Deja Vu. I went to Deja Vu to buy a cock ring one time. Uh-huh. And I was specifically looking for a cock ring. So I was asking for help. And these two employees kept stopping to talk to each other. And I discerned this story. So what happened is they found a guy living in the wall in the crawl space in between behind the jerk off theater. Really? The guys who were going in the jerk off theater were complaining that there was noise. They were like, oh, I can't come because like, there's scritching or whatever, uh-huh. you know? They go back there. They find like they. I heard they. I heard that they found a sleeping bag. I mean, I don't know how true any of this shit is. Obviously, this is just fucking gossip. But they found a sleeping bag, and they found Pringles cans, and they found Gatorade bottles. I wonder if we could find out what jerk off booth that was, or what. Go investigate. <laughs> can be our. We can go on location. <laughs> We're gonna be the new like Neve and Max Shulman, but for jerk off booth mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> there was one i was gonna uh, like uh i i put on facebook one time that i wanted to do my own version of diners drive-ins and uh dives uh, but it was gonna be like uh what was it glory holes something. <laughs> <laughs> we could do that we yeah could let's actually, do that one yeah. yeah that would work yeah no i have enough experience in studying those things to no be. one day i'll do a couple jerk off booth stories because yeah i i've had some experience in that realm i mean i just i thought it was so funny that like of all the places for a homeless person to burrow like because the jerk off booths are in the center of this place mm-hmm. so it's not like they're attached to the exterior like there was so much mission impossible involved in him getting there in his sleeping bag i mean i'm guessing he paid for like three jerk off booths to get set up and then figured out some sort of ingress and egress yeah that is weird like what do you do find a panel in the wall like is this i'm guessing he found some old vent outside and got through the ventilation that's my guess I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense, unless the employees are paying so little attention. Could you imagine, though, just having to listen to fucking porn all day? And just... And and guys, like... And not, and not, it's not like I could picture Channing Tatum, but it's not Channing Tatum over there, you know? No, in a lot of cases it's not, but sometimes there are some real lookers. The, the, okay, so he wasn't terrible looking, he wasn't great looking, but the, la- the last time I was at Deja Vu, a guy was checking out for the jerk-off booth and had the audacity to make eye contact with me when we were standing shoulder length away from each other. How dare you? I literally heard you just paid a jerk off and you look me right in my eyes. Well, that's the best time. <laughs> he was like a middle-aged dad. He was like, how you doing? I was like, you're not as good as you're going to be in two to three minutes, I guess. Yeah. Fucking weird. I just, I'm new to my jerk off booth guys having more shame at the porn store. You know, jerk off booths, has, uh, people have become very bold. It's weird to me. I'm like, you, why are you even doing, like, do you not have a cell phone? Well, the thing is, for gay men, sometimes it's, like, quick and it's better than Grinder Because with Grinder you can get catfished. If you're at a jerk-off booth, then you're seeing right, right you're there like, on the spot. You <laughs> yeah. know, you're like, okay, I know exactly what you look like, so th- there's that. Yes. Then we already start fucking around. There's that. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that makes so sense. So it's, it's like, uh, you know... Yeah, it's just you can actually. There are some purposes to it. You still. can feel the product. 
it's like why it's like why online shopping will never take over retail as a whole yeah you, you gotta be able to try on. on yeah that's exactly <laughs> <laughs> see you yeah, get yeah, it i get it it's get all it. about like it. we were it saying sense. it's all about perspective and yeah. you know like actually yeah. <laughs> seeing another person's side sometimes there's a way you hadn't thought about it <laughs> oh my god did you ever get catfished on grinder I'm obsessed with getting catfish. I got catfished in high school, and I'm obsessed with the show. Like truly catfish, no. But as far as the um, the it's been years catfish, yeah. Where it's like you know, okay, that's not right. That wasn't a recent picture, you <laughs> right? You looked great when you were 22. Yeah, but... that guy had abs. <laughs> Is your younger brother coming? Or yeah, how about you go bring him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, I'm gonna let you suck my dick, but don't <laughs> let this happen again. I mean, come on, you gotta be better online. There's a lot of trust going on, and I don't have to say this out loud, but we both know I'm doing you a favor. There's so. no reciprocation happening. <laughs> I'm not even touching yours. Actually, I don't want you to touch me either. I just want you to put your arms back like a bird feeding. Yeah, if you want to take your pants down to your knees, that's fine, but don't do the just pull out your dick, and that that's disgusting. If I catch a glimpse of your asshole, I'm kicking you out of my car. Please don't. Don't do it. <laughs> See, don't, be, don't be giving butterfly kisses to my passenger side window either. <laughs> keep it just keep it low. Listen. Don't you dare come up for a goodnight kiss. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. Yeah, when you're just having a fucking no. fling with somebody and then they do that and then you have to push put your head back and be like, no, that's not No, not happening. Yeah. Don't make me pull away from you. You, you may maybe the bad guy. I literally once uh this happened in Phoenix and I was hanging out with these guys, Jesse and Robert, and I really loved them, loved them, loved them. Their friends were really ghetto, though. Uh, but, you know, it was always fun hanging out. We'd party, and they'd call me for, like, you know, after the club. They'd be like, you want to come hang out, smoke, that kind of stuff. And so, I'd, like, there was this guy. Um, he was a cholo-looking guy. And, like, I could tell he was kind of interested in me. And he, he had a lot of them, the technical should be hot things but something was just missing right in the chemistry like one of his eyes was millimeter lower than the other <laughs> it was imperceptible <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i don't even want to say it was like physical it was just like something like his vibe was off i think at the time i think it was more about me because at the time i couldn't put together the idea of like a, a true like cholo type oh being gay yeah it was hard for you to because there is a little bit of machismo and and categoristic you know yeah. homophobia in that in in that culture yeah and he would say like you know and he he was like kind of trying to fully be that part in a way but then he would say really gay <laughs> things sometimes you know what i mean it'd be like girl and it's like <laughs> well that's girl you know i love the smiths <laughs> you're breaking the, like you're supposed to be <laughs> <laughs> you need to go back to your acting coach because your character work is yeah, shit. Yeah, I can't have. Uh, I don't want to date a cholo that says "girl." You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's not. How do I explain that to my friends? And I certainly don't want to just fuck you once. You know, like that's even worse, girl. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, we get to the, you know, he wants to walk me out to my car, which it's like, you know, I'm okay. a dude. It's a parking lot. 
Okay, not necessarily, but I know what you're doing. Okay, whatever. Yeah, you know what I mean? Let's see if some sparks happen. Yeah, and none did. You know, and so I got in my my truck at the time. I had a Jeep Grand Cherokee, and I rolled down the window, and I was like, all right, well, thanks for walking me out. And, you know, like I was saying, bye. And then all of a sudden, he went to kiss me. And I pulled my head back. And when he, I pulled my head back, he, like, put his hand behind my head. Uh-uh. And then he tried to, like, pull, like, and what? so my head was closely getting, my, my head was slowly getting closer to his. You know, this is all happening in a matter of seconds, but, like, it's slowly getting closer to his. And, like, right before it makes contact, I'm like, rape. <laughs> <laughs> And then he was like, ah, you're a fucking dick, Rafe. And I was like, well, really, what are you like, doing? Like, you're not right in there? prison like, anymore. Like, yeah. that's not the way you convince people. <laughs> yeah, I'm letting doing? you know I don't want to kiss you. And you're trying yeah. to pull my head and force me to kiss you. What is it? You what know, what, I mean? what is it headed towards? You know, this podcast is a great thing for, for people to play for people when they're like, get offended at what comedians say. Because we were being so like thoughtful and poignant and intelligent. And we've been doing dick jokes for like the past 25. Like, you should never care what we say. You should never care. And that's we're the, fucking perpetual children. You shouldn't care what we yeah, say. Yeah, it's for entertainment purposes only. Like listening to me is for entertainment. There's times that I feel like I'm being serious, and then I realize that I'm just being entertaining again. You know, and like, even it's if like, I'm being serious, if something funny popped into my head, I'm abandoning the serious. Oh yeah, quickly, in a second, quickly. I don't. I, I don't like, care. Nothing, really, nothing is sacred to me. Like you know, uh, when it comes to nothing, stand up and actual humor. Uh, you know, like I like because, you know, people know, like I said, that I'm not a fan of white people saying the N word. Uh, and that's actually the thing that I was literally just thinking of is that's like my only thing that I'm like, I don't I don't see any reason comedically where you need that. But I got to tell you, if someone or of any race were to use that word and it was so funny that I had I didn't have a second thought, I just laughed and I was mad at them for making me laugh at it. I would just have to say that's a good joke. Yeah, you know, I mean, because I, as much as I say that I, you know, I'm uncomfortable, and the same dudes that will like cry about it on Twitter are the same guys that worship at this altar at Louis C.K. You know, on the other side of that perspective. Yeah, it's like if it's a good joke, it's a good joke, and I'm not because the intention is to make me laugh. The intention isn't to incite racist hate in my heart. Yeah, and like Neil Brennan had one, which I don't rem really remember how it went. Um, but he had a joke where he used the N word, but like, like everybody accepted at the time he would do it in black rooms or when black people were around, it wasn't like he was doing it at these secret white shows. That right. You, can only, you know what I mean? Like, right. And it wasn't racist. Nothing worse than walking into a Raiders bar open mic and it's just a bunch of white kids and they're all saying the N word to each other. And you're like, what basement did I walk into? <laughs> When's your mom bringing snacks? Yeah. There you know? are those places you go to where you're like, this is just like six white dudes between the age of 20 and 26 all telling jokes to each other yeah but yeah so uh so i gotta say you know like these if it's done in a way where it makes me laugh without even thinking about it then i could see that but like outside of that i'm not and the thing is is for me i just can't imagine even writing a joke where i felt like i would need to put it in where i would be like but again i've never been i haven't been writing and because what happens is you write and then your brain goes this should go in next you know and that's kind of what happens after a time in practice and me neither personally like you, you know, know like there but you know it's because that's not my authentic experience you know i am mexican i am gay i do look asian you know like there are certain things about me that are just my i don't talk about a lot of stuff that's not 
uh, my personal right your perspective yeah and like yeah uh, you know and even when I have opinions about stuff like that you know but I guess yeah it's just not it's not something that appeals to me because I, I I just don't I find that I want my jokes to be really good and really funny and I've never been in a situation where I've been trying to how can I punch this up and think oh throw an n-word in there I've never it's never even in my lexicon of things that so for me it's hard to understand writing it if you do it and you execute it well of course I'm going to respect the craft and what got you there because I know how fucking difficult it must have been to get to the place where it's a good joke but also for me, I just don't see the need for it. Well, when I was younger and I grew up, you know, in the part of Arizona I grew up in, I mean, um, like we used that word. I used that word at, at a point, like pretty regularly. And in a not like I didn't realize how racist it was. And to me, it was benign because it wasn't trying to lead to any violence or anything like that. But we did used to use it regularly. You know, and like I said, not every day or, you know what right, I mean? But just right. it wasn't, it didn't shock you at all. Right. You know, like it just kind of was what it was. Your friend saying it around you wasn't like a moment where it like stopped the room and. Yeah. 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 And like, you know, that's a, the experience for a lot of people around my age range in Arizona. That's just what it is. Yeah. So it's like, you know, now, like it's what you're doing now that I think about more than, you know, and like for me personally, having like had that and like, like I said, even saying the word like because there weren't a lot of black people around me. Like I did the joke on uh, Comedy Central where I said, um, Stand Up Revolution Comedy Central, if you guys want to search that on YouTube. It's actually the first thing on my playlist in the YouTube stand up. Just check uh, it out. Yeah, just go to my YouTube page, uh, Ty Rivera. No, you killed that set. You should they should definitely check it out if they haven't. Thank you. But yeah, uh it, like where I was where I do the joke about um I think it was m the Martin Luther King thing where I'm like, um, you know, black people are outraged about Martin Luther King Day. Uh and then uh but I'm like, but if you're from Arizona, you're like, what black people? You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. at that time, like now we have more black people in Arizona, but still right. not a lot. It was just not a categorically friendly place for minorities for many. Well, in general. Yeah. In yeah, general. Yeah. 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 And uh, like, you know, and that's something that, you know, some of us like that's the other thing. Like, you know, some people would be like, you know, well, why'd you grow up in Arizona? And I was like, I, like in my thinking, a lot of times I'm like, yeah, that's kind of the most helpful thing we could do was stay and let people see yeah. what we're what we're actually like. I mean, just because somebody pushes you around or calls you a racial slur doesn't mean that you should kowtow to them. That's what this is what I don't understand about the same the op it's the opposite of the being offended thing. It's mm -hmm. like just cuz somebody calls you a racist or tells you that you're offensive, you shouldn't just go, "Oh, let me just take it down, you know, and do all the like you should if you're really concerned that you were offensive, then then dig into that conversation with that person and, and grow from it. But if you're just going to roll over and take it, then you're not helping anybody. Dig into that conversation with yourself, too. Yeah. Like, you know, why was I upset? If you call me racist and I'm not racist, I'm not upset. Yeah. Why am I upset? You know what I mean? But like if you call me and I have a reaction to it. Then why do I have a reaction? Maybe it's time for you to look at yourself a little bit deeper. You yeah, know? maybe you are. And that's like that's why I personally don't have that in my act because I know what it feels like to say it the ugly way and not even know the significance of it because there weren't a lot of black people yeah. around. You know, so that's like epitomizes the like, you know, right. the thinking where it's like, you know, why should these people be offended and they're not even around? You know what I mean? Well, it's like, I, you know, no. I just don't get the whole like, well, why can't they tell me what I can say? Well, because they can. 
that's my thing is if if you're ever telling me anything about the black experience and you're not a black person i don't give a fuck i don't care yeah i don't care and if black people tell me don't say the n-word guess what i don't say that word it's not a word we use they get to tell me that's just kind of the way it works when gay people told us not to use the f-word anymore i don't use it anymore i don't yeah. use it i don't use it in my personal life i just i just i try not to you know and i do agree yeah you know I've had slip ups. I'm not going to say I haven't because sometimes it's the funniest word to use and that's more sacred to me than the word. <laughs> but see, they, there also will never be another N-word. No. That's what it is. That word carries that significance for a reason, you know, right. which so later because on it's, in my it's life. It's related I, to an atro- a, a huge atrocity that resulted in death and the objectification of an entire race of people and a whitewashing of a culture so badly that people don't even know where they came from. Yeah, and people are still being held down by it. Yes. You know what I mean? By the system that was put in place back then. And so when you grow into a place where you do actually understand that and like, you know, my two best friends are black and that just happened because of life. You know what yeah. I mean? It wasn't like, you right. know, that you was met the them plan and you related or to like, them. you know, yes. it was just, yeah. And like, you know, um, and when I was younger, I remember like I'm lucky I grew up when I did because I, I, when I was younger, I remember people like correcting me even when it came to native american because for a long time native american was indian or american indian yes and so one time i was like you know i thought i was just being uh descriptive because uh, i was talking about a guy at a club and i was like he, he and i was hanging out with my native friends uh cat and jessica and both trans women native american trans women some of the first people i met so talk about you know what i mean like when i first came out like so anyway uh but yeah so i was like yeah we were um it was that big indian dude and then uh jessica was like girl you don't have to be racial about it and i was just like oh is that and she's like native american yeah. or you know what I mean? which you know what's funny this is even meta about this so i'm i'm native american mm-hmm. my my grandmother's were from the chippewa Cree tribe in montana mm-hmm. uh she still calls us indians so, I mean, th- that's the thing is like, uh, and, but, but if somebody who is also Native American tells me, I don't like that word. I like Native American. I'm not going to go keep going. Oh, you're a fucking Indian. Like, I'm not going to do yeah, that. Well, I hear that all through the country, you know, cause like I've performed at a fair amount of casinos and you know, like that. Right. So it's like, you know, yeah. Some people identify as American Indian and I just feel like as far as that goes, I treat it with the most respect I can treat it with. I say to Native American, I don't know anybody that finds that offensive. Yeah. You know it's, what I mean? the, it's the one thing that you know that nobody people are going to go all right you know? yeah i'm not going to correct a, a yeah. american indian you know that's one one of the most offensive conversations i had with tommy from the comedy store when he was the talent coordinator there or the booker or whatever it was was uh one time he asked me what i was and i was like uh i'm mexican-american and i was like um uh, like you know when i was growing up people would say chicano but like you know that's not really an accepted term anymore but like that's what we used to identify as but i'm mexican-american and then he was like yeah when you actually travel a bit more you're actually going to find out that what you are is latino what exactly and i was just like one did this motherfucker just think he taught me about the fact that i'm latino and did he just say when i travel a bit more i'll learn that i bet i'm traveled bitch like what are you talking about yeah and it was so like you know and it was like but this was back with tommy so like you know even that was a somewhat acceptable conversation at the time uh it's i mean but the thing is is like that that's that's real i mean there's a lot of old school guys in this in this business and there's a lot of shit that gets said in green rooms and at bars that we're all looking at each other and looking at them and going yeah you're not in you can't sit with us anymore yeah it's real it's real and i was talking to another comedian um who i won't name drop but she's fairly famous and we were talking about the changing of the guard and that's what's happening right now it's the changing of the guard Mm -hmm. it's the guys that have been getting by being pieces of shit 
no mm-hmm. longer can get by being pieces of shit. Yeah. And that's just the long and short of it. And that's why this fake outrage online, it's not its its not necessary. We see the pieces of shit now. We all have our eyes open. And guess what? None of us are tolerating it. They're going to go by the wayside. You screaming about them online is only keeping them relevant at the end of the day, just like you said. Some of these old school guys, though, like wonder when women became so uptight. And I, from just a, a person who's not part of that game because I'm gay, so I get to watch, you know what I mean? It's, I right. feel like telling a lot of these guys, no, women have always had a problem with this. It was just if you complained about it before, you were considered a fucking complainer and right. then you weren't going to work or right. things weren't going to fuck. So you're just now hearing what people actually think about you when they are on a more level playing field and can say this right. bothers me. Right. I mean, there, uh, there's deep implications about being a woman so much that it even change it changes the way that people act within a race you know there's a constant constantly i see the black community on twitter talking about you know black men talking about that they don't date black women because they're too hard to deal with like that stereotype and the fact that 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 the woman stereo of a woman standing up for herself and being strong enough to go no you're not going to treat me like that is somebody being too hard to deal with that that's that's a real sexual sexist issue that we have in this world that's what people for many years taught us as women is that don't be difficult yeah difficult is the worst thing you can be you know there was characters on every single movie every single show where it's the he's with he's with the girl that he's with now but you want him to be with the protagonist girl who's this nerdy girl but the girl he's with is this mouthy girl who has opinions and is like i don't want you to go to that party you know it's like oh well she doesn't want you to go to the party she's a fucking person you know yeah, and then there's also the, like, you know, people act like everything's new, but it's like, this is both like sides. Like police brutality? No, yeah, but this <laughs> is both sides. Like, when it comes to sexual harassment, when people act like they didn't know what was happening, it was like, did we not all see 9 to 5? Yes. Do we not all remember Mr. Mom when her, do you, have you ever seen Mr. Mom? Mm-hmm. Remember, it's her boss that's chasing her around the, what's it called? Like After Benny he has Hill. her come up to the yeah. fucking apartment. And this was perfectly acceptable. Like, yeah, it was like, yeah he's a creep but at the same time nobody was saying anything was wrong with that at that time right it just was one of the things women had to put up with if they wanted to be in the workplace you know like every once in a while a man's going to be attracted to you and so now people can actually speak up for themselves and people like certain old school people feel like well when did they get so mouthy (laughs) it's like well bitch we've always been mouthy we just did it outside on our smoke break yeah (laughs) you know like and there's also the opposite of it where the same dudes that who are like uh when it comes to like the sexual harassment thing and like the like uh they're going to be attracted to you kind of thing like there's these dudes that like pretend like they're feminists but they're also the same dudes that will bitch at us for friend zoning them oh yeah you know they're like oh how dare you but then they're like oh women you know they they pretend like they yeah i want to be your friend like is that a that's a terrible thing to you and that's just the way the fucking world works sometimes we don't want to fuck you well some guys really can't deal with that gay or straight you know what i mean yeah that's true don't want to fuck them and they'll the male ego is very gay. fragile i dealt with actual sexual harassment uh and you know that's one thing i will mention really quick it's uh Sometimes people, when they hear about sexual harassment, uh, they're like, well, why did they talk about it 30 years later? And I feel like in a lot of these cases, like, no, you don't understand. 
they probably were talking about it back then. Yeah. Just nobody cared and nobody wanted to listen. Or like my when I was sexually assaulted as a teenager and I just started talking about it two years ago. Mm-hmm. And what I tell people is because until I told the story, I never told the story out loud of what happened to me that night to anyone until I told my mother. And when my, I told my mother, the look on her face and her telling me that I was sexually assaulted was like an, oh, shit. And if I told the story, you would be like, well, obviously you were sexually assaulted. But my own brain had compartmentalized that in such a beautiful way that it, I had just turned it into a wild night in my head. So, yeah, sometimes what was a wild night 10 years ago, you wake up one morning and get a little fucking clarity and you realize that that wasn't such a wild night. <laughs> I was the victim of a hate crime, but I just looked at it as getting jumped. And until you get perspective... Yeah, like I never thought of it as what it was because it was because I was gay. It was and that's like, a you hate know, crime. Yeah, it wasn't just you know a person. It, yeah, you didn't try and fuck somebody's boyfriend. You didn't key someone's car. You didn't piss somebody off in a bar. They went. There's a gay guy. Actually being him. me. Yeah, just actually being me. Yes. And that was like years ago. But also society didn't look at it that way either. I'm sure like a lot of people like if you had told. Like your friends at the time, they might have had the wild night perspective too. Not like your mother that's looking. I had at friends. It as your I had mother. friends that were at the party and knew what happened, and they. I mean, I don't hold it against them. I don't yeah. even hold it against the the people who. Then I'm people are gonna think I'm a rape apologist, but I don't hold it against the men that did it to me either because they were also children at the time. But what I do, I do hold it against them on some level i don't like don't think i don't resent them at all and i don't have feelings about it but what i'm saying is i do understand that that there is a potential that they are better human beings today you know and i i do understand that well it's not healthy to hold on to being a victim forever fuck no man i don't want to be a victim neither what they did to me doesn't define me at all it was fucking something that happened to me it's a fucking blip on the radar of experiences in my life and if i make my entire life about being the fact that i was raped when i was 17 what is that? Like, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. I would much rather be the person that talks openly about it and goes, it fucking happened. It happens to a lot of people. This is how we should talk about it. Like, it's something that happens. Same thing with hate crimes. Same thing with anything that when it comes to this. When you are being uh, objectified or, or being the victim of violence because of your look, who you are, because you have the hole that somebody wants, it does not define you. And we need to stop acting like it's something that we need to hide. Yeah, and sometimes you want to talk about stuff like that and a punchline makes it palatable. Yes. You know, a punchline line was what will buy you being able to tell people this story and have them actually get it and maybe make one of the a potential predator look at something a different way too yes you know what i mean like is this what i'm doing to somebody or about to do to somebody or you know find themselves because a lot of people for a long time a lot of things were chalked up to a wild night you know like uh in the 70s in the 60s i mean if you go back 10 years what con- consent why people argue this consent thing the blurred line of consent is very blurry because we we set the line of consent and it's individual there is no global it's never going to be like on south park with pc principle when everybody's signing consent forms to fuck like that's just not the way it's going to be that's not how humans fuck each other and you Consent is all about just understanding, reading the room. If you have an issue understanding consent, then then you don't have consent. That's just kind of the way it works. Yeah, but... Well, Look, if you're doing it fucking right, especially if with a woman, if you're doing it right, I can't speak on behalf of men, but if you're doing it right with a woman, she will be begging for you to put it in. It's not going to be... There's no going to be no question. She's going to go, if you don't fuck me right now, I'm leaving this apartment. No, yeah, no, th- that, but also there's, you know, times where, like, you know, I remember one time 
I was so fucking drunk and I'm so glad that everything turned out all right. But uh, like I just remember being drunk enough that I was it was in Hawaii and I just remember somebody being in my room in the hotel bathroom or you know what I mean? And then like the light was on, but the lights were off and you were like awake, but sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, I'm not in the bathroom, but I'm alone. Who's in the bathroom? Yeah. And then I, then, but like, you know, I, I know we hooked up, you know, like that definitely happened. Um, and then the next day when I woke up, I had a weird feeling. But at the same time, I didn't. I know me. <laughs> I know yeah. I would have been all right with. Did you get good, a glimpse of a who it was? A pretty good margin. Here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> or is he a mystery man? He kissed man. me two, uh, two nights later and was like, you know, oh, I told you I'd show up to your show. And I was just like, you and know. And you were like, the memories came flooding back. <laughs> well, just like, yeah. And then, but there was apparently some other queen mad at me because I guess she was like, and it was a drag queen or not a drag queen no it was not a drag queen it was a trans woman uh and she was mad at me she just looked like a drag queen okay. it's hard okay <laughs> i hate to be First of all. <laughs> you know if i accidentally i like i was not being shady at all so if for anybody that might think that's transphobic it is not transphobic at all because like if my mind just accidentally tells me remembers you as a drag queen but you're a trans woman that means you have work to do <laughs> like, your eyebrows are too high yeah that's i wasn't <laughs> Yeah, a couple centimeters, girl. Really, it'll change the Just whole take look. Take them down. <laughs> you want to be fabulous, not divine. Yes, yes. We love divine. But. Yeah. It's fucking great. But yeah, so... Uh, so you you don't even remember this guy. He kisses you, and there's somebody else who likes him. They're, they're, well, that ended up coming out like a night later or whatever. Oh, so apparently she was while mad I at was you. drunk, she was bitter. And like, keep in mind, I don't know any of these people. You know what I mean? But right, and also you are an adult who's getting mad at your friend for having a connection with somebody that you had you liked and, and you, we weren't even friends we didn't even know each other at yeah, all so, like i was just no. a person in you're the just, bar you're you messy. happen to like the same yeah no guy that messy <laughs> like you know and uh but like long story short was he did turn out to be cute and i didn't feel violated at all especially then that's a huge factor <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah, yeah he was he was cute so yeah was like, listen look and i and works. all of these things i say about consent are just what consent means to me and i think that's just what what we need to teach these new generations we need to teach men to be better listeners and women to be better communicators because all we've taught it, the sexes is that they don't know how to communicate with each other which isn't true which yeah. isn't categorically true. No, and like on that note, like yeah, if a person is visibly that drunk, I would say you definitely do not do it. Like yeah. that's the reason. And I, also, even if they want it, do you want to get barfed on? Well, Have you been barfed on? That's the reason so I stopped going it's to so bars warm. was because like you know before I met Christopher, uh, I stopped going to bars because like I go to bars, I don't really drink anymore, and it's everyone's drunk. Yeah, and, and then uh, you gotta make up with somebody who takes like fucking whiskey, and I don't wanna like no. I didn't want to feel like I was. And Every time they burp, you're like, oh, God. Yeah, (laughs) hooking up with drunk people. Like, why would you want to be that person? It's only fun when you're drunk. But, yeah, but also that with that guy, too. And I think that does count, too. Like, if you're both just fucked up. The thing is, is if you're both messed up. I mean, here's the thing. It's all from what you, if you remember it, and the way you remember it is that there wasn't consent, then there wasn't consent. Oh, well, that, yeah, But if you remember it, and all you remember is that you were drunk, and you guys started hooking up, then you guys started hooking up, and it happens. It's such a fucking... uh, like a messy thing because like in that case emotion really does come into it 
It really, I mean, because this is the thing is every moment is individual. Every person is individual and people act like they're not. Every experience is individual. What we believed was true 10 years ago is now not true. And we more because of how quickly we can communicate. We grow so fast as a society that now we were making leaps and bounds every decade. We were changing. The 50s were different from the 60s, from the 70s, from the 80s to the 90s. Gay marriage. Gay marriage. Now the 2016 is different from 2017, from 2018. That's how quickly we're changing the standards as a society. And we get mad when people can't keep up well yeah and especially like we were just talking about like some people in different regions are at different stages because of what they've been exposed yeah. to like some things were completely unacceptable until just recently so like when that shows up like for some people even me being as open in this country yes <laughs> recently even me being this open and gay is a little bit jaw dropping for them. Like, cause you know, I do talk about sex in my eye, right. you know, like it, it, like some, I see some people just look at me like, yeah, this is a lot right now. Well, people still treat me talking about being bisexual. Like I'm doing it for attention because yeah. I have a boyfriend because people, bisexuals in male female relationships are treated like, well, you don't count anymore. Uh -huh. Like we only, we're only valid when we're in a same sex relationship. You got to renew your certification. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> oh. is this a scuba diving Let's class? Do a like, <laughs> I want to see a standard lick, ladies. <laughs> you got to make this woman come in 30 seconds or you don't get to renew your license. Where's the G spot? You know, I've, I, I talk about this and I'm like, it feels like the world treats bisexuals a little bit and not like I'm acting like there's this huge struggle. Cause what I do tell people is bisexuals have that. And I have a bit about this, but bisexuals have it, had it the easiest because in the seventies we were just the cool wife next door that got invited to every key party. You know, like they were like, not only will Greg's wife come over and fuck you, but she'll also fuck your wife like uh -huh. that's it was cool bisexuals got to be open about it in in an underground way way before gays and lesbians did way before trans people felt comfortable oh, yeah. with it and so we've had a little bit of an easier experience so i understand why everyone kind of treats us like bitch we gave you the b and the lgbt and you got the b before the q's got their q so calm down <laughs> like that's how i feel but that also like <laughs> changes on gender the opposite way though because like if you're a bisexual woman then it was like oh that's sexy that's you know yes. what i mean but if you're a while. bisexual man, he's it's like, a fag. He's just gay, and he has. <laughs> yeah, I hope one day he comes out to his mother. It's like, <laughs> why are you, why do you give a fuck? What gets me wet or hard? Like. Oh, so funny. Yeah, but then remember, there was also that sweet spot where uh, lesbian was like the chic, popular 90s, thing. The 90s, if you were a lesbian and you wore glasses and overalls, you were just, I mean, every man was- Fags were still getting beat. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, legit. Yeah. In Wyoming. Were, uh, yeah. <laughs> Matthew Shepard. Yes. At the same time, there was a movie being made about a straight man being in love with a lesbian chasing Amy. I mean, this entire movie oh, is based yeah, on the yeah, premise yeah. that this gorgeous lesbian is so acceptable that this whole movie is accepted as, as straight men ever were like, yeah, I'd fuck that lesbian. Yeah. Yeah, you got, or women really had it good in that way. Fuck. I mean, women have always had it a little good in, in that people are more accepting of us blurring the sexuality lines because they don't think of it because men really drive what's acceptable sexually. The, 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 like, I think uh, as far as um, the standard of our society goes, you know, what the most conservative man thinks is acceptable is like, the standard in our judeo-christian oh values well you of can where tell that because sean connery is a fucking sex symbol <laughs> right and you're like 
Santa who? Like, who yeah. Wants, who wants to fuck that guy? I see pictures of young Sean Connery, and he still ain't young Sean Connery. What? His eyebrows are a completely different color than all the hair on his body. It yeah, and he's been an so old much. man forever. That so was long. older white men saying, like, I look sort of like that. I want to make this the standard. Yes. And the, vo- <laughs> the voice. I'm Sean Connery. Like that. That's the voice of a man with a speech impediment. That is not the voice of a fuckable man. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that generation was really big on Sean Connery. You know, uh, even Rock Hudson, I think, is okay. Weird. But I don't se- Clark think he's that. Gable. I mean, there are a lot of weird sex symbols for me in, in the yeah, early, early 20th century. A lot of big ears, big noses, big eyes. A lot of goofy looking dudes. Well, even the fact that Warren Beatty, like, he was cute cute when he was all he right was but he wasn't dad like, yeah That's he, he just looked like everybody's like, dad people acted like he was such a you know and he was known for having sex with everybody i mean when you look at our six symbols now when you look at idris elba and the channing tatums and the guys like that you can't really compare that to we go 50 years ago and it's like frank sinatra was sexy but he was no channing tatum yeah you know brad pitt in his prime was uh that was a real Oh, he was he was pretty pretty. I'm I, I've never been a huge Brad Pitt person. I've always been on the Edward Norton side of the Fight Club crushes. Like, Jocelyn Sharp is canceled. I'm sorry. I'm 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 calling the presses. <laughs> I'm, I'm letting everybody know you need to be canceled. I'm You're sorry. clearly racist, homophobic, <laughs> xenophobic. I liked him in Legends of the Brad Fall. Brad Pitt is as American as you can get, and I'm like, "You're xenophobic." <laughs> <laughs> you obviously yeah no <laughs> he just never did it for me the way that like the weirdos did it for me man like who like like i was really into the kid from terminator um yeah edward, edward furlong, furlong yeah always did it for me uh i loved edward norton i loved uh i only liked edward norton in american history x <laughs> well that's that's a deeper issue we can that's dive into of why you I, find I know, that so I sexy fucking, uh, you have no idea <laughs> yeah i have a big white bald boyfriend now so, <laughs> so yeah yeah that's true you do i do joke about it yeah that that, like you know yeah uh a friend of eric griffin was the one that put that like because you know i posted a picture of my ex way back when five years ago or whatever yeah. six years ago uh and then with uh christopher i posted his picture and then eric griffin was like do they all have to look like they commit hate crimes or <laughs> <laughs> listen some people got to type it's cool yeah and it, it's not the plan it's just what just what know. just what turns your crank man. apparently yeah just what turns your crank i keep finding it <laughs> keep seeking them out <laughs> i'm not even like you know they find me technically oh, like it's, it's don't like... act like you're not going on kkmeet.com <laughs> <laughs> wait there's another k in there <laughs> kkk with racism is my screen name <laughs> oh kkk cupid <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I blow sixty nine. <laughs> Sent you a message. <laughs> My favorite sex position is the Iron Cross. <laughs> it's like, what is? Just go with it. Just go with it. I get Although fucked in my ass and then he sets me on fire. Surprisingly <laughs> on OKKK Cupid, there's no no fatties in the abouts. No, no fats, femmes, or Asians. 
<laughs> it's still it still applies there. <laughs> Let me see where we're at here. This has been lovely. Oh, okay. Well, we've been going for a minute. Yeah, no. We'll uh, wrap it up, uh, but it doesn't. It's not a one-minute light or anything. Oh, great, perfect. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm notorious for running the light. Yeah, and so well, I can be. Yeah, <laughs> if, if it's going well and I'm headlining. Here, here's my thing: is good comics get off stage when they're not doing well? We don't want to be there. Well, you know, I always feel like, and like I know people would probably think it's something different for me, but I always feel like. I just want to get off stage before they start hating me. I want to get off stage while they still like me. Yeah, before I go too far. Same thing. Because I know I will. I know I will keep testing that limit. Uh And I've done enough shows. I've done enough 45-minute sets now that I know that I will keep dipping my toe until eventually there is no turning back. Yeah. And sometimes there's no turning back. When they give me the line, I feel like, okay, let's cut our losses. Let's go into a closer and get out of here. We had a great night. um, But this would be a good time to formerly... Excuse me. That will be edited out. <laughs> Probably won't. I'm so lazy about editing. It's going to stay in there. I, I can't. This one's just getting posted. It's the holidays. <laughs> Merry Christmas. We're human. Exactly. But uh, no, formally introduce you, uh, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, an hour and a half into the podcast. <laughs> The only person that has longer intros on their podcast than you is Burt Kreischer. (laughs) That was all before the intro. (laughs) That's just the lead in. (laughs) Boy, do we have an episode in store for you. <laughs> but it felt natural to just start talking, you know. Yeah. We just started chatting, and I was like, there were different points where I thought about it, but I was just like, I'm enjoying the conversation. I've known you for like a, a many years now, and I, I remember uh, you don't know this. I, I I wanted to tell the story on your podcast. I've been saving the story for your podcast. Go ahead. So, uh, but we uh, we have a lot of mutual friends because a lot of my friends are Phoenix Comics, mm-hmm. and so I came down. I used to do a show Mike Simpson hosted at this place called TC's, and I've been watching you do stand up for the first four years of my stand up career, and you had never seen me or first three years of my stand-up career and even before i started doing stand-up so you hadn't you hadn't really seen me go up too much you knew me and you were always nice to me and you were always like hey it's good to see you and we always chatted and i was like my whole goal was i'm gonna make ty rivera laugh tonight and mm-hmm. that was like my whole goal we were at tc's and uh <laughs> there i'm not one of those comics that's like Oh, a comedian was on their phone during my set. What a dick. I don't give a fuck. I'm on my phone during people's sets all the time. Uh-huh. And you were on your phone. And that's why I was like, this is the time I need to make him laugh. Because it's the only time I would know for sure if it was a genuine laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you're distracted and I can make you laugh. And these, this, there's a table of black guys in the very back. And it was a big, fat black guy. And he had big, big gold glasses on. And he had a bunch of chains. And he was heckling me. And uh, <laughs> I asked him uh, when I said something. And then I was like, I was like, oh, cool. Thanks, Rick Ross. I appreciate you showing up to this bar in Gilbert, Arizona to heckle me. I appreciate that. Why are you dressed like that? And and I started to do crowd work with him and you laughed and it was like, fuck yeah. And then after that, that's the first time I felt comfortable because I always feel like a fraud around a comic until I can make them laugh. No, no, I remember liking you right away from the beginning. Like, and uh, liking, like, I've never thought of you as anything but funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, um, I also remember that you always have the best fucking makeup. 
<laughs> yeah. Which, that's, that people always remember that. Yeah. yeah I, I beat the fuck out of my face. It's so great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you really. <laughs> it's. Pra- I mean, I only say it with confidence because I've. It's a lot of practice. I care about it. I take my time with it. I take pride in it. And it's like, if you're gonna do your makeup, like. You better fucking do it. Yeah, you do your makeup. <laughs> it's great. Thank you. Yeah, I enjoy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I know that name. <laughs> <laughs> Look at light up. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> Some of you have their makeup done tonight. <laughs> but so yeah. I, yeah, we've known each other for a long time now. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember you forever. I remember you when you were a baby. Yeah. Like, you know, you were just, yeah. And so. Um, I was still fucking open micers. Yeah. you. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How long have you been doing stand up now? Uh it's, it'll be 7 years in January. Okay. Yeah, so not very long. I'm a baby. Yeah. 7 years was back when uh where was Matt and Joaquin at 7 years ago? Probably Four Queens. Yeah, I I cuz right before when I first started doing comedy, I didn't go out to like comedy club until I was like 6 or 7 months in and then Gooch started dragging me over there. Mm-hmm. And uh they were at Cabo Wabo. Okay. When I first started. But I know right before that I think they were at Four Queens or something. So you've been doing comedy for 7 years. You're uh you're originally from Vegas. I'm I was born in Vegas, but I was raised in northern Nevada. So I was raised in a really small farm town. I kind of bopped all over. I was my mom was married to a military guy for a while. Um, my biological father took off. So she had me as a teen mom, partied for a couple of years, got a job, married a military man. We got stationed in Fallon. They got divorced. We just stayed there. My grandparents had lived there in the seventies. So they had moved back there cause they liked it. It was a small town. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then I just grew up out there and then traveled around a little bit and then ended up back in Vegas eventually. Cause this is where my whole family migrated back to. Okay. And how old were you when you got back to Vegas? Uh, right when I started doing comedy, actually six months before I just started doing comedy, I moved to Vegas, started a plenty of fish profile and went on a date with Bobby Wayne Stotts. And that's how I became, uh, in the com- comedy community. That's how I met all the comedians. Oh, Bobby. Wayne Cause I went Stotts on dates. Was, uh, our last. And yes, yes. I went on dates with him for a week okay. and Bobby and I, uh, were better off as friends. Uh, I was in a time in my life where I wasn't fucking dudes unless they were putting in the work and he didn't want to put in the work and he wanted to get fucked and I didn't want to try that hard. So this motherfucker dumped me on the way to a show that I was already at via text. I love telling this story. I still give him shit about it to this day. Uh I was at the bunkhouse helping Angie Crum set up for a show and we were supposed to meet there and Bobby texts me and he goes, I hope you're not at the show. And I go, well, I am. And he goes, well, I'm bringing a date. And I was like, cool. Good to know. <laughs> like, just knew where I stood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. I know. I know. Bobby's such a nice guy now. I He's didn't know such, he was so messy. He, he was such a nice guy then. He didn't make it weird. He wasn't disrespectful about it. Oh, he just was he bringing a date. He didn't talk. Sh- he just was like, look, this is just who I am. And this is... I don't I don't fault a dude for not wanting to fuck with me anymore. Like, I'm not one of those chicks that's like, well, he was like, I'm bringing it... Well, it's funny to me. Yeah. I see the humor in it but that's I'm also so weird though because like uh like bobby uh is like i distinctly remember him telling me from the beginning how funny you've always been so he was it's like always very supportive that actually matters is what he actually you know and what i mean our, like, our yeah. friendship is, is has lasted through uh 
when I first met his now partner, I she heckled me and I went in on her pretty hard and we had a whole out with that. Bobby and I had a falling out with that, but it lasted literally. Bobby and I've always been friends. Mm-hmm. That fight lasted for 20 minutes in person and then it was resolved. We're back to being good friends. So us dating was like, that's why I like telling that story. There's no malice behind it for me. Like I love Bobby. He's always been so great to me. He put me on stage on our first date. Mm-hmm. He took me out to a comedy show on New Year's Eve and he was like, do you want to go tell a joke? And I was like, I've always kind of wanted to do stand up but I don't know any jokes and I was like I can tell a stock joke and he was like okay and so I went up and told a stock joke at this fucking party on the east or this uh, New Year's Eve comedy show on the east now, side now was he Bobby or was he honky he was you? honky be cool okay I wasn't sure which <laughs> who you got I got honky be cool <laughs> who was a gentleman honky be cool <laughs> he be cool he does <laughs> I hate you so much I really hate you for honky he be cool I've been very for- I've been I have a, a terrible diagnosed social anxiety so I have the tendency to believe that people don't like me yeah uh it's it's a it's like a just a thing that a lot of people have and they just don't recognize it as for what it is which is it's just your brain and one of my psychiatrists kind of told me that it's the arrogance of believing that you affect other people that much mm-hmm. uh because you're allowing other people to affect you that much. And so I've been working very hard on that, but this past year has been very eye-opening for me because I'm always fearful that comics, uh, and this is me being very vulnerable and honest. I don't know why I'm doing it. I'm just doing it. Uh, I'm very fearful that comics are going to think I'm a fraud because I do fit into such a categorically stereotypical thing for a female comic. I'm dirty. I have a lot of sex stories. You know, I, I am what I am. I is what he is. Like, that's kind of the way I feel about it. And I know the way that some people perceive that and I don't take it, Personally, I don't feel bad about it, but it, it consequently con- makes me interpret other people going, ah, they don't really think I'm... Everybody that matters loves you. And I that's can tell you that for sure. I think that's the thing. You no, know, I can tell you that for sure. I can tell you as a person who's had people tell me how much they love you. Thank you. That feels yeah. that feels really good to hear. Like, Thank yeah, you. that's not... You know, and I, I personally have never heard anybody saying that. Anybody that would say that would have to be a hater because, like, I know everybody... Not to be mean or rude, but... <laughs> I know everybody that matters. I know, in this you city. do. You know what I mean? You like do, as you do far know as everybody like on matters, the comedy yeah. scene, like you know, yeah. especially this city, Vegas. Right. You know, like uh, you know, and I, I like people are really cool with me and stuff like that, and they would tell me if that was otherwise. But I think so too. Yeah, no, and that's why I know they literally head. told me how much they like you. You yeah. know what I mean? It wasn't like me imply or getting that impression. It's like you know, when everybody's like you know, oh yeah, I love Jocelyn. Yeah. You know, you hear that all the time. Oh, that's nice. Okay, that's good to hear. Yeah. But again, like I said, I'm aware. That this is just my brain's uh, socializing with people takes a lot of energy out of me, and it's just part of my existence now. So I constantly am fighting this battle in my head of of shutting that. And it's what people don't understand is when you add comedy as a second layer, you're not only having to deal with your own feelings about how the people perceive you as a person, but how they perceive you as a comic. Mm-hmm. Because what when you become a comic, I feel. I am a comic first and that's all I care about. That's the only thing I care about. And if you at all perceive me as a bad comic or not a good comic, depending on who you are, Uh (laughs) that affects me in a real way. It affects me in a real way because I want people who I respect as comics to respect me as a comic because that to me is the ultimate sign off on what you're doing. Yeah, no, that too. Besides just people liking your personality. Yeah, I know people. Yeah, like, you know, I just was having a conversation with someone where they were telling me. Now now you're just making it look like I was fishing for compliments. No, we have the opposite (laughs) problem. We have the opposite (laughs) problem. Believe me, it circles back to this bitch eventually. We have the opposite problem. I'm a person who 
just always assumes everybody loves me. And then I end up finding out. I'm like, yeah, okay. Oh, we were talking shit. I, th- I thought we were friends. See that? But and- I would honestly hate that more. I would, I would love the confidence to feel that way, but I also know how much it would hurt to find out that people that you thought you well, loved you. Well, that's the thing yeah. that also gets you is because people perceive me as a strong person, I'm not allowed to have hurt feelings when it's something even that personal. It's like that's not like us talking about celebrity or, or politics or any of the stuff that people consider me like, you know, uh, to be like hard on, which even that I'm not hard heartless. on. Heartless. Yeah, but just like it's like. Just because I have hard opinions doesn't mean I'm heartless. Yeah, like I don't, I don't really accept expect to have genuine friendship because of the way that i i am online or whatever you right. think I i'm am. not looking for people to like come over and take care of me when i'm sick on facebook that i talk to about the trump administration with. yeah <laughs> yeah and also like you know like just but it was like you know people that i like had no idea didn't like me or like i really did think we were friends yeah you know so like you know and that's part of why i said like i went to that ugly place because that was weird for me because in la you know i gotta admit like you know not everybody loved me in la a lot of people did though <laughs> and you have a lot of friends from in la from many many years of doing stand-up yeah and it's it's for me overall la was great i got tired of the traffic i needed to be closer to my parents for it's a little expensive. while expensive you have I to pay for parking all the feel, time yeah it's i had to crowded. pay 120 dollars a month just for parking for my fucking to park at the place i lived that you lived at the place yeah. i lived otherwise i would literally have no parking it was not like any kind of luxury situation if i had a, a situation where i could park my car until like you know a decent time or whatever and not have to pay that no but everything was ridiculous street cleaning you're going to be driving around forever but anyway long story short uh i la the people that didn't like me didn't like me and i knew that and i was fine with that yeah in phoenix it was more like people that i thought were actual friends then i ended up finding out that they weren't and when i say find out i mean found out from other friends i had one situation where i was trying to hook somebody up with work and then they tried to get me pulled off the gig that I was trying to Shut hook them the up with. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, and it's just like, how does that work? How is it I sent them to you to book you for that, and you told them why they shouldn't have me on the show? But then I'm, I, but then I'm not supposed to have any feeling. So I don't like now. I don't hold that against people because I think that life will push you where it wants you to go. Yeah, you know what I mean. And sometimes those people are that. So it's not right. like you know. But like at the time, was I very hurt? Yeah. Does it still bother me a little bit that a lot of people? thought that i didn't have a right to have feelings about that like i was supposed to just be like oh okay i'm okay with that yeah i'm, I'm trying to because when i like people i will help them out as much as i possibly can yeah. you know i will every time somebody mentions their name i will be like you know you have always always hit me back when i've hit you up and then whether you were in la or when you were in phoenix when you were in la and i hit you up you would tell me i can get you something i can't i can help you t- talk to this person i'm not in town like you always were trying you've always well responded. you're funny and you're really trying to do what you're supposed to be doing you know which is stand up that's what we're all supposed to right. be doing. which but that's the thing for you is that there's there's going to be people who ask you for favors who aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And people interpret that you're not doing those favors as you being a shitty person somehow, mm-hmm. which isn't how is not how comedy works. It's just like with my show. The, I told you about the filth factory after the first show. Oh, for anybody that doesn't know, Jocelyn runs a show called the filth Fel- factory and it's, uh, she's the producer. I'm the producer host and headliner <laughs> of my own show. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I do it Don Rickles style. So my, the whole premise of the show is I bring who I think are my new favorite comics, uh-huh. either locally or within or regionally. Uh, hopefully eventually I can bring people from around the country cause I have comics in, in Missouri that I love and in Wyoming and wherever I travel. But yeah. Um, 
so what I'm really trying to do is I'm trying to show people this is the next group of features and hosts uh-huh. like that's really what it is and then a lot then i like mix in like two or three pro comics that i know are going to kill it uh-huh. and then i headline the show at the end because it's my crowd it's literally my people that come out uh-huh. every month and they come out it's a late night show it's midnight on the strip and for two hours we sit there we talk we do the filthiest fucking jokes we can think of but it's a no holds bar you tell the jokes you want to tell and and i'm and know that after you're done i'm gonna make fun of you if i think that you're you bombed a little bit or mm-hmm. you did something that was shitty i'm gonna make fun of you like that's the show and it's just kind of it's like a fun it's like half open mic half green room hang half my show kind of thing and it's a place for me to practice you know my new headlining stuff that i'm taking on the road and is it the same week of every month or yeah, it's it the date kind of fluctuates every month but i but i do always know so like last night i handed out flyers that have the lineup for next month so the next one's january 26th and i'm bringing out uh from high times magazine rachel wolfson um from universal josh levesque and then uh john gilligan locally and tyler jolly will be on the show as well as mike live i haven't seen tyler jolly in forever we 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 went across country on the road last year together. I pulled my static nerve in Austin. He had to drive the rest of the way. Never complained about it once. It was such a fucking peach to me. He is the best person on the planet. Oh yeah, he's he so felt nice. so bad because he would be like, we would be going down hills coming out of you know when you come through New Mexico and Arizona, it's that up and down part. Yeah. Every time it would go down, it would pull my sciatic nerve and it would make me like I involuntarily would make a noise. And yeah. he would the whole time he would go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like, you can't be sorry, Tyler. You didn't make the road. But <laughs> there's very little worse than actual back pain. It was like, the real. and I and yeah. I had never had it in my life before. Mm-hmm. And to experience it, I got it. This it, this is the Austin, I think, was the second city on our on our stop. Yeah. Second city of six cities we were doing. And, and you were per, you were able to perform just I had to I didn't have a choice yeah. I went I went to the ER so funny story is that night I had been eating so much shitty food that I used to wear my grandmother's engagement ring on my engagement finger uh, <laughs> I ate so much shitty food that my finger got so swollen I had to go to the ER to get it cut off in the middle of the night because I woke up and it was throbbing and I was like oh my god my finger's gonna fall off yeah. went to a Seven Eleven to get floss to do the floss trick I don't know if you've seen that where you spin the floss and it pulls the <laughs> ring off. <laughs> there's this young cop there oh i hate you so much i, I, mean, I don't even want to talk to you because so. of what a messy brat i am All i'm right. in I'm my fucking po- the <laughs> you know what i'm talking about <laughs> so i'm in my pajamas this young cop sees me and he's like i'm frantically looking around and i'm like i'm like pl- i'm like about to cry i'm like please tell me you have floss like my finger and i hold my finger up and the cop looks at me and he goes are you stupid? And I go, what? And he goes, go to the fucking hospital. And I was like, what? He goes, you're looking for, f-. I'm like, you can spin the floss and pull it off your finger. He's like, yeah, you're also going to be able to pull it off when your finger dies. It's purple. So he points me to the nearest ER. I go to the ER and I'm like, well, fuck, I might as well kill two birds with one stone. And I was like, while you're here, I have this pinched nerve in my back. If you could just give me a quick CAT scan, that would be great. Or an MRI or whatever. So yeah. they did some tests. They're like, you pulled your, you pinched your sciatic nerve. It's just a new thing you're going to have to deal with in your life. Do yoga, stretch, try and keep it. But they gave me muscle relaxers and some painkillers. Um, so I just took those when it got really bad and uh, tried not to drink very much. Tried to drink a lot of water and, and take it easy as much as possible. And, and Tyler made sure I never had to carry anything or do anything. Like he's just... He's just the, he's my best friend. Like him and Gucci are my best friends here in Vegas. Besides Kelly, who doesn't do comedy, but in comedy, they 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 always have my back. They're all and Tyler just took such good care of me on that road trip. I couldn't have asked for. I don't imagine anyone who would have had the patience they had that he had with me. Yeah, I that's uh, 
a road story for sure. He's, I mean, he's, he's like, he's like, that was like for, forever. I'm always going to want him to go on the road with me. And I tell people, I'm like, look, if Tyler doesn't get to go, then maybe I'll take you with me. Like it's him first. And then I go down the line. Like there's other people like Stephen Roberts. I take him on the road all the time. He's a fucking perfect lead into me. Stephen <laughs> Roberts is such a good and genuine guy. Such like, a good and genuine guy. Talk to him and you're just like, uh, it's <laughs> just, I, I love chatting with him because he's, like, you know, I require very few safe spaces in life. Yes. <laughs> but it's it's nice to have somebody that, like, sometimes gets it on the gay level where it's, yeah. like, and, and is a safe space and for me in that And is a comic and knows a lot of the people that you know. Yeah. Yeah, there's, you're not going to have a lot of Venn diagrams that cross over those groups. Yeah, and I, I don't feel like he's, you know. Um, Steven's just, like, a lot of really good comics. He only cares about comics being good. And if you're a good comic and and Nikki Glazer talked on your mom's house, Tom Segura's podcast this last week, she was talking about, you know, people email comics that are successful for advice all the time. But the only advice they can ever give is just be cool. If you're cool and kind of funny, you'll work. You don't even have to be that funny. You'll still work as long as you're cool to people. Mm -hmm. And people haven't figured that out yet. Just be cool. Yeah. Just be cool. That's all I care about. If you're cool and you're nice to people, but if you're shady and you put people down, like there's people in, in this scene, we're lucky in Las Vegas. We're a fairly supportive scene. Comics come out to my filth factory show. We all support each other's shows. Like even if I don't book people, they show up. Well, that was the whole point of talking about the filth factory. I was going to show up last night. Is my, uh, my inbox blew up afterwards and Uh it was my, and the DMS weren't full of anybody. Most of my friends had already, we had already talked about it. You mm-hmm. know, this is all people I don't really know. And they're, they're blowing me up and they're expecting to get booked. And the way that people approach me about it sometimes makes me upset. Cause it makes me feel like, you know, like they always want to throw the thing. Like, I would love to come support sometime if you want to throw me a guest spot. And it's like, well, if your support is then you don't really want to support. And I'm not booking people based on whether they support or not. I usually, I'll tell you a trick I do. I usually show up to shows late. That way they can't give me a guest spot if they want to. Because I want people to genuinely know you're I'm there to here support. to support your show. I turn down I'm guest not spots. Here. Yeah, I'm not here to, like, you know, once in a while somebody will ask me if I want a guest spot and I'll actually want one. But, like, in a lot of cases, sometimes I feel like, oh, no, I'm really relaxing right now. Right. I came out to watch you. I, <laughs> you know, I started I doing comedy <laughs> because I enjoy comedy and I enjoy comics and I want to come out and watch good comedy well, shows. Well, that's why you hear me laughing. If yes. You're, like, you know, you're at a the great shows, audience I, member. Yeah, because I, I enjoy. That's why I started doing it was because I like laughing and I love when my friends make me laugh. I don't give a fuck if I heard the joke a million times. The thing with me at that point becomes how they deliver it. Yeah, and, and what do you change? Uh-huh. How, oh, I haven't heard that tag and before. And watching the audience like get the like you know if there's something dirty or something the audience is about to get you know i like to watch them get like oh or watch yeah. their different reactions you know throughout. what's coming yeah and you never know what the audience is going to react like with certain mm-hmm. things because with this being vegas sometimes you have a ma and pa type audience sometimes you have a bachelorette party audience sometimes, sometimes half you your have, audience doesn't speak english yeah and sometimes you have a mix <laughs> of all of it and yeah. it's kind of like okay this is weird right. it's going well it's good but it's at the same time half of you aren't getting it because you don't speak the language some of you right. are like you know too fucked up there's a lady that just puked you know like it's like (laughs) yep 100 (laughs) vegas is weird yeah so you get to watch each other like just in the you know the shows that i've done here when i was working weeks or um like that the other thing for a while i used to just come because i was dating a guy that was here so remember there was that while where i was just here all the time yeah yeah and so it's a great scene yeah we don't our scene doesn't get enough credit people talk a lot of shit on it it's hard you're not going to get good crowds here you don't come here for good crowds you come here to hang around with 
with good comedians from all over the world and have a good time and and really test your shit out. It's if your material works though. for fucking forty five people that bought thirty five dollar tickets at a ticks for tonight, it, they're it's gonna work in in Wyoming. In my prediction, though, the crowds are coming. Because the thing is, and I want everybody to know this, anybody that hears this podcast, hit me up any night. And I'm going to put this like at the beginning too. Uh, hit me up any night of the week and just ask me if I know of a show you can go to. I'm pretty sure I can send you to a comedy show somewhere on the strip. And I can probably get you in. Or that's exactly, yeah, you know, like between the two. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And also hit Jocelyn up too. Like, you know, if you're going to be in town and you're like, hey, do you know of a show I can go to? A lot of times, even if I don't have a show going, I can tell you where you can go to a show. And this is Vegas. And so it's centrally located. And you know you end up here on the random. Yep. So if you ever just end up here on the random, hit me up. And I'm sure that I can set you up with one show or another. Uh, what's his name's doing the show you did last night? Uh, John Hilder is doing that uh, he comics has battle. Comics battle. Yep. That's a great show. That was fun. Were you, you came Friday night, too. You yeah, I went and watched bit. you. Yeah. Uh, the you Friday guys. night. The Friday Friday night one was different. So we did two different formats mm-hmm. this weekend. So normally it's four comics on stage with John Hilder in the middle. And then we all kind of riff on each other. You were there Friday night, which is an especially, especially volatile roasting night because it was me, Jason Harris and Tom Garland. And what was happening with that? It seemed like Jason Harris said something about, or should we talk about that after we can talk about it after, okay. but, uh, it, nothing was really happening. It's just that's how those guys are. Uh-huh. And I told Jason beforehand, I'm like, I know you're just going to turn this into a fucking roast battle. And he was like, that's how it's fun. And I'm like, fine. But I just want to let you know that I know that that's what's going to happen. So I want you to know that I'm going in prepared to say things on that level. Well, that's some good tension to watch. I'm sad <laughs> that I got there so much later. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah no, because and I saw, I noticed, yeah, you. there was something. But it was good. It was like, you know, it was working for the audience because the audience also seemed like they were on their own thing. Remember, like, Tom was, like, at a point, like, um... Tom was losing his shit. He was doing fucking <laughs> campaign speeches. <laughs> fucking... I told him he sounded like a stepdad that was running for city council. <laughs> Somebody threatened to fight an audience member. He was joking, but yeah. he was like, I will fight you. I mean, that one dude heckled the whole show and we were giving him shit about wanting to be a comic about being the funniest dude at a car show like all of that shit because it was just it was just an insane show but it was really fun yeah it was really fun experience yeah next night completely different experience that's the way vegas is next night there was no hecklers it was a quiet crowd of people who wanted to shut the fuck up and be entertained yeah i did hooters on uh what was that uh friday night friday yeah i did hooters on friday and that was really good and mm. you know i was the hilarious seven is a fantastic show it's at seven o'clock so it's a if, if you can catch it any night of the week if you just feel show. like not staying at home <laughs> well it's not a long no, show it's only 70 minutes long yeah you get to just enjoy some comedy and be on with Bye. your night yep. it's less than a game of thrones episode yeah no and every comic's only on stage for 10 minutes mm-hmm. and john does really good about booking lineups of people where it's going to be a good show so. yeah i was doing uh laugh factory carla bow show right after yeah or, well you know there's well, a few hours between. After. Yeah. yeah that was that part like that's why i went over to the alexis park was because like yeah i'll go i'll do the same thing if i have to a uh, early show and a late show and they're too far apart but there's a show in between i'm going to that show yeah I'm, why am I going? I'm going to that show and I'm going to hang out and ch- kick it. And I love to go support. And like I said, there's just quality shit happening. Right. Like the other night I told Gooch because I was watching Samuel J. Conroe uh, at Stratosphere. Yeah. And uh, I told Gooch, I was like, you know, you've grown a lot. Because, you know, I've watched Gooch grow for even longer than you've known me. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, and like, you know, he's always been funny. 
but just like the way he's like really gotten into his like personality and being silly and like really in, yeah. being animated you know yeah, like being he, himself yeah he's committing Dude, he's my he's, best friend that's who he is behind closed doors uh-huh. you know he's goofy and wacky and he says crazy shit and you know his his voice just makes him sound angry he's not angry <laughs> you know oh, he's just yeah. got that gravel voice <laughs> No, I, I've always thought Gooch was fun and funny. He's but so I funny. Just like watching him, like I watch. It's one of the things I like about comedy is I like watching people grow into themselves. It's really me included. This is the first year I feel like I've even been doing comedy long enough to say that I've seen any open mic comics grow. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's some people this year that I've seen grow so much. Like it's it's just really cool because I don't have that. I've never seen this before. I've seen these comedians from their very first sets to now to where they're getting paid at a comedy club to do comedy which mm-hmm. is really cool you know yeah well i think that's like the end that was like a sign off wasn't it it was a great <laughs> sign off <laughs> what i'll do is edit out anything that might sound awkward uh, yeah like you know but like uh what but like there's nothing in the episode that sounds awkward just me now explaining sounding awkward sounds awkward <laughs> <laughs> Even Look, that, nothing, I've, nothing that we talked about on this episode. You can't personally tweet me or talk to me about. I will talk to anyone about anything I say ever. Yeah, me too. And but you know what? People have to know is that uh, I probably won't end up editing this. I want to act like I'm going to be don't. so professional and I'm going to put it like. But I'm probably just going to play conversation. the conversation. It was fine. Uh, but I want people to know where can they find you? Oh, so uh, actually, you can find me most times. My I'm pretty good about keeping my schedule on my website updated. So if you just go to JoslynSharp.com. There's a calendar on that front page. Has all of my shows. You can buy tickets there for most of them. J O Z. Yes, J O Z A L Y N. Sharp like a sharp knife. And then it has all my social media there. I'm at Jocelyn Sharp on everything. J O Z A L Y N S H A R P on everything. Follow me. That's like the. I always tell people the best way to support the comics that you like and people that you want to support is to follow them, because really that's our currency in entertainment. Follow us, and when you're around, actually show up. Show up. Or when we're in your city, show up. Or don't tell me, I would love to come to one of your shows for six months, and then when we're like, I have the show, don't go, oh, I have to work. Thank you, because that's <laughs> something we could really go on about. You guys know where to find me, America's favorite fag.com. Thank you, Jocelyn Sharp. Thank you, Ty. It was really fun. <laughs>